listeners, I'm Isha. I'm Sana. And you're listening to Teacher's Pets, a podcast where we talk about things education. Today, we are focusing on state education and state-level reform in terms of comparing choice schools with traditional public schools. We're both former charter students from Delaware, and I went to Newark Charter School. And I went to the Charter School of Bloomington. Uh, My school had a 91.43% proficiency rate in English and 97.55% proficiency rate in math. It was consistently ranked as one of the top schools in Delaware. Yeah, um, so I also went to one of the higher uh, performing schools in Delaware. Uh, As of last year, about um, 87.12% of students were proficient in English and the math proficiency rates were um, about 82.6%. So uh, now uh, let's just start the trash talk. (laughs) Yeah, we wanted to lay down that our schools were high ranking so we could try to compare the disparities in what we see within our school and um, compared to other schools around our schools in the same location. So CSW, my school, had a phasing system that separated students into three levels, phase three, four, and five, with the higher phases, four and five, boosting your GPA. So after you were accepted into the school, you took a math and English placement test and it placed you in those phases. So if you did well in a phase and you had teacher approval, you could move up. Or if you felt like you needed more of a slower pace or remedial lessons, you could move down a phase. Yeah, um, so ours was kind of functioned, I guess, sort of the same way. We didn't have to take any tests or anything to like um, to get to place into a phase. It was kind of like just the... the since I've been at my school since like first grade it's kind of been like that process for a long time but there was definitely like a social segregation aspect to it like I know in high school we didn't have phases but it was more like CP honors and like AP and they were basically like the phase three four and five and I was in I was mainly in like the honors and AP classes but I realized how many of my friends um, were in those classes and like we barely heard from the kids in the CP classes like it really demonstrated like social segregation and how we really didn't even know them even though they went to our school um, people from CP classes were like societally considered not as smart and most of them um, there was just no room for them to adjust or proceed in any way um, CP students weren't easily allowed to just move to an AP class um, and so most of them were just permanently in that position and so um, social and academically segregated mm-hmm. yeah that's a that's interesting I saw a little bit of that too but for me I started in mostly phase three and four classes in freshman year and um, I found them very helpful because they were very remedial um, they used to focus on the new concepts but also offer like help on things you should have learned in middle school um, And I moved through the phases and by junior year, I was in all phase five and APs. And that's where I truly saw the social segregation you're talking about. Cause I didn't see the friends I made in freshman year as much. And my friends in the higher phases, they'd been in those phases throughout high school and they were pretty much cut off from the rest of the school. Like they didn't have any interaction outside of the 60, 80 kids that were all in the higher phases. And personally, I think we need to find a way to keep the remedial aspect of the system while eliminating the social segregation of it. It was really interesting that you said that um, in your school, the kids in the lower phases were pretty much stuck there academically too, because they weren't given much opportunity to move up. 
Yeah, um, I think they had like some sort of limit. I'm not sure, but I I heard it from a lot of CP kids that they just, you know, even when they requested to even be moved up to an honors class, they were like, oh, but you've been in CP, you know, so like, what makes you think you can move up when it's like you have to know to move up and learn it to see if you're good enough for it so it it was just a weird concept academically um leaving people stagnant as well Mm -hmm. that's interesting I think it might have been different at my school CSW because um we started all from ninth grade to 12th like the kids in the lower phases for since like middle school like it wasn't a yeah ours was kind of a very long-term process you're right I think it might be that because of that yeah yeah but like I guess going further on the current segregation right um your school CSW doesn't like exactly reflect the community that it's located in either right yeah completely like um charter or CSW is um near downtown Wilmington it's pretty much on the border I would say Greenville and downtown Wilmington and um, Wilmington is a minority majority city it has a 57.4 percent black population and CSW has a six point uh, 7.62 percent black population and a 5.56 percent Latinx population so it's Technically, this school could be a feeder pattern for some of uh, the neighborhoods in downtown Wilmington. So that's really like stark of a difference. Yeah. And then five minutes down the road is AI DuPont High School, which is a minority majority school with a 17.84% proficiency rate in math and a 32.39% English proficiency rate. So the racial demographic disparity, as well as the disparity in performance of the two schools that are so close in proximity to each other is jarring, is jarring. Yeah. Like the fact that Black and Latinx students are not in charter is kind of telling of the system that the public schools are in right now. I would say like, um, I would say charter is like the result of the public school system because yeah. charter is a test in school. How well you do on the admissions test is dependent on the quality of your middle and elementary school education. So the fact that there's a disproportionate amount of black and Latinx kids at charter speaks to the lesser quality of education they're receiving in the public school system. Right. And, um, that's the outward analysis. I'm curious, what's the perspective of teachers on education? As in, what are they enforcing in classrooms in general? Yeah, um, so teachers, I mean, before I say that, I, I know Charter was a test in school. Um, mm-hmm. Newark Charter was a um, five mile radius, like anyone within there would do a lottery system and you would get in just like that. And so the Newark area is prominently white. So it kind of just reflected that demographically. But again, we were in that system for so long since first grade. So that <laughs> they've been kind of tailoring that, you know, us to that, um, to that, um, function of a charter school but um teachers yeah teachers try to emphasize basically three main things curriculum content academic achievement and in sequencing sequencing and readiness and the importance of transferring like learning skills into like your real world skills like in the future and the focus on curriculum is like a deliberate effect they want it to be more structured um leaving like it leaves out the opportunity to learn something spontaneously like they just they encourage like structured work and the second aspect is like readiness for learning so there are like multiple aspects to this specifically whether a child has like the physical or mental capacity to be ready um, for learning or entering schools 
and whether the teacher has the wherewithal to teach that child you know and that's it's like dependent on where they are demographically some teachers are just not able to teach that kind of demographic um, because of where they're from. Um, and the transfer of knowledge is considered one of the gold standards for teachers because it's a long-term measure, right? It's whether or not students can use what is being taught in the classroom and apply it to the real world. And that that's one of the biggest things. I mean, I feel even lacked at my school was um, the transferal of skills. Like I, I feel like a lot of that I got out of my extracurriculars, not specifically what I learned in the classroom. Like practical education. Agreed. Agreed. Like practical education. Um, so I guess based off all of that we've said, you know, what reforms do we need? Uh, hands-on reform and teacher incentivization is one of those things, right? Um, we have to look at other states um, as for guidance and go into schools and ask teachers, you know, what what is um, what what kind of hands-on approach to reform can we put towards um, them, and what are they already getting? Like, what kind of um, teaching are they already? Um, doing and then we need more proficient teachers proficient teachers which is like better professional learning for them teaching them how to teach right um teach them ways to teach deliberately and make the content transferable and um most i guess most importantly just investing in the low public uh, income public schools you know making sure we target resources to public schools in low income neighborhoods especially in schools with like minority majority student bodies um, like you mentioned ai dupont Resources um, are needed to include like remedial help, like you mentioned, um, not just like at the high school, but like from the start foundationally, like elementary and middle schools. And uh, finally, just incentivizing teachers um, in these schools to partake in these after school um, remedial programs and just giving them a reason to participate. I mean, I think it's reason enough to make your student population like better, but um, yeah, financial incentives always great. Yeah. yeah and um just going back on it, just tailoring approaches to the specific community you're in. So that goes back to going in and asking the teachers because they see on a daily basis what like um, needs to be done in a way. Yeah. And then with them incentivization. So having an all rounded approach, um, I believe is what we really need, you know? Yeah, and, I totally agree with that. To see any reform enacted, we need to contact our state legislators and leaders in public education. So look up your district and state representatives and email or call them about your concerns. They're here to work for us. They're already working in these realms and input from the community is always, always needed. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Teachers Pets, right? And remember that education inequality impacts each of us. Uh, whether we are left more privileged by it or disadvantaged.